This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. If you have a federal student loan, and I'll put a little asterisk on that, but your payments are paused until September 30th. And your interest is set to 0%. So no interest until September 30th. So literally, the federal government pushed the pause button on your federal student loans for the next five months or so. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. My name is Andy Hill. And today... We're going to do three things. First, we're going to have a quick chat with my friend Robert Farrington from The College Investor about student loans and the current coronavirus situation. We're going to discuss important information that's going to help you understand your options during this financial crisis. Second, we are back with our FinTech Spotlight segment. This month, we're going to feature our sponsor, Savvy Financial. That's a company on a mission to democratize financial advice. Savvy's head of consumer products is going to be here. His name's Brian Harrison, and he's going to talk about this affordable solution and how we can all become financially empowered in just three easy steps. And last but not not least, my daughter Zoe is going to join me to read our review of the month. And we're going to chat about life in quarantine and if she thinks her dad works too much. (laughs) All right, let's jump into today's show. I am happy to be joined by Robert Farrington, America's student loan debt expert. Robert is also the founder of The College Investor, which is the number one resource for helping millennials get out of student loan debt and start building real wealth for their future. Robert is going to help us navigate the student loan situation that we're having in the midst of this crisis. For those of you who have been longtime listeners, you may remember that we interviewed Robert back in 2017 about how he paid off $42,000 of student loans himself and achieved financial independence at the young age of 32. You could find that episode at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 45. But besides all that, let's talk to Robert today. I am so glad to have him back. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I can't believe it's been so long. Wow. I know. I can't believe that. I was looking back on the archives and I'm like, has it really been three years since we've had Robert on the show? I felt like it was just like a year ago when I was looking it up. But anyway, I'm glad to have you here. And thanks for taking time to share with us about how we can handle our student loans in the midst of this crisis. So there's been a lot of things that have been happening right now with the CARES Act, and I know that there's a lot of benefits that might be out there for student loan borrowers. Can you walk us through some of those benefits? Yeah, definitely. So a big part of this program was giving help to student loan borrowers. And the biggest benefit out there is if you have a federal student loan, and I'll put a little asterisk on that, but if you have a federal student loan right now, your payments are paused until September 30th. And your interest is set to 0%. So no interest 
until September 30th. So literally, the federal government pushed the pause button on your federal student loans for the next five months or so, which that's huge if you're a student loan borrower. Absolutely, especially the 0% part. Some people owe six figures of student loan debt. So this could be a huge amount of savings. Is that right? Absolutely. And that's the thing is they've always had natural disaster forbearances. That's not new. What is new is that usually you paused your payments, but the interest would still grow. And this is the big game changer is that you can not only not make any payments, but your loans are frozen in time. They are at 0% interest, which if you're struggling, that's a huge win. And if you are still doing okay, it opens up some opportunities to maybe set yourself up financially for the future and put yourself in a better spot. Let's talk to the person who's an essential worker or their income really hasn't been hit right now. Should they stop making their student loan payments right now? No, I'm a big believer that literally everyone should stop making their student loan payments unless like you are just set for life. Like at that point in time, go for it, do whatever you want to do. But most people should take this time and maybe pay off other debt that's not paused, right? So your credit cards, your auto loans, other kind of debt where there's no pause button, pay that down. You can also build up your emergency fund. Like I know like we're in this weird time in America right now where states are closed, states are open, people say this, people say that. But the fact is we don't know what the future holds and having a nice emergency fund is always a good thing. So like I would rather you take your student loan payments and eliminate debt with no pause button, beef up your emergency fund, then you can maybe think about making extra payments on your loans. I think that's a really smart move. It definitely cannot hurt to have more money in the bank right now. It is like, I'm just a big believer. Never give the government any more money than they need, right? So like, they're telling you, we're just letting you pause payments. And it's like, this is like counterintuitive to like literally everything we've ever learned in financial history. Like, wait, what? Don't make your loan payments. Seriously, if you have federal loans and they're paused, don't. Don't give them anything. (laughs) It is a wild time right now because the things we would have been speaking about three years ago, maybe on our last conversation, Robert, are completely different from today. I had a question around refinancing student loans. Now, is this a smart move right now? Totally. Well, there's two borrowers, right? There's the federal loan borrowers and there's people that have private loans. So if you're a federal borrower, there's no reason to refinance your loan, right? Maybe make the decision at the end of September when the pause is over. You can decide if it's right for you. If you're a private loan borrower, sure, refinance away. Right now, we're still seeing historically low interest rates. And the cool thing with student loan refinancing is that there's no origination fees and there's no prepayment penalties. So you can refinance over and over and over again, and it doesn't cost you anything except for maybe drawing out the loan longer if you get a longer loan term. But if you have private loans already, why not try to save, especially if we're going into uncertainty, maybe you're employed now and hopefully that doesn't change, but like you could lock in a lower rate right now with your employment history if things do change in the future. Yeah. And and in the past, I know that they were giving bonuses for refinancing your student loans. Are they still providing those perks? No, they're still doing that right now. You know, like they they want, you know, it's, it's the the private student loan market, you know, they're driven by banks and they want your business, right? So they will try anything they can to get your business. But that's where if you have a federal loan, don't fall for it. If you have a private loan, go for it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad we cleared that up. Okay, let's talk about where you see this going. And I know you don't have a crystal ball, but do you see this relief extending past September? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to have a crystal ball, but I do think it's eye-opening that they've done as much as they have for student loan borrowers, because that's a big change. And we're in this crisis where a lot of people are struggling to afford things, but part of the problem is that student loans are confusing. And so like we talked about at the beginning is that there's an asterisk next to federal student loans. Well, direct student loans qualify. FFEL loans, these older types of loans, don't qualify. Perkins loans don't qualify unless they're federally held. And so it's kind of a So one thing I do see potentially happening in the future is some of the programs that exist, I think, will get streamlined. So things like public service loan forgiveness, I see being reformed, improved upon, and maybe even opening it up to more individuals in this country. I don't see blanket loan forgiveness happening. You know, I think everyone's hoping, and they've talked about it, right? Like, give everyone $10,000 off their student loans or something. I mean, that's just kind of silly. It doesn't make any sense. What I do see continuing, though, is this, like, you do something for me, and I do something for you. And I actually like those programs, like public service loan forgiveness. Like, you work in a job that we think is important for 10 years, and we will forgive the balance on your loans. I think that's a good trade, you know, and I can see that expanding out into more fields beyond that. Maybe it's everyone that works for 10 years and certifies their employment, gets their loans, any remaining balance forgiven. Because remember, people are paying for that 10 years. It's not like they get like free and then it's forgiven. Like you got to pay 10 years and then it's forgiven. I, I think that's kind of like a fair deal. Yeah, I've even heard some proposals about maybe forgiving student loans for people working in the medical field right now. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of doctors already do get it. And that's the interesting part is you have to remember that public service just means who employs you. And if you work at a hospital, a lot of hospitals are nonprofit, not all of them, but a lot of them are nonprofits, right? And so their employers may already qualify. And a lot of doctors are on track for these programs because they work in qualifying employment and they usually are on income-driven repayment and stuff. So, you know, it's already there. I think, you know, give them bonuses, maybe things like that. And if they want to use them for their loans, go for it. You know, I do hate constraining people to how they use their money. I think that's kind of, you know, random. And it's like, we keep tying compensation to other things, like just compensate them and let them decide. Yeah, no, I know this could be a really confusing time for a lot of people, student loans, and, and it just with this coronavirus situation, it just amplifies the complexity. So I know you guys are staying on top of things at the College Investor. So where can people find you and learn more about what's going on with these student loans? Yeah, so you can go to thecollegeinvestor.com and we actually changed our homepage around. So right at the top, we have all the coronavirus COVID-19 resources, the student loan debt we're talking about right now, but also things related to unemployment benefits, the tax deadlines, all these random things that are changing. And you know, who knows what's gonna change next, right? <laughs> like they're talking about more rounds of stimulus and you know, like it's a fire hose of information. So one, don't feel bad that you don't know everything if you're listening to this. And two, like, we should put a timestamp on this because like it could change by the time you're listening to this podcast at the rate things are changing. That is absolutely true. Yeah, we're recording this just three days before it goes live. So the whole system could have changed by then. So make sure you check the collegeinvestor.com for the most up-to-date information. Robert, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, 
reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. For our FinTech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring our sponsor, Savvy Financial. This is a company on a mission to democratize financial advice. Now, I've invited Savvy Financial's head of consumer product, Brian Harrison, to tell us more about this convenient financial planning solution and how it gives fiduciary-style advice for a fraction of the cost of working with an advisor. We're also going to discuss three simple steps to feel more empowered with your financial plan. Welcome to the show, Brian. Great. Thanks, Andy. Delighted to be here. Awesome. Well, let's walk through those three steps because I think that's going to be helpful for people. And I know it's a big part of your methodology with Savvy. So what is the first step people can take to gain some financial empowerment in their lives? Sure. Well, you know, it's so important to take that first step. Every I remember I was meeting with one of our potential users for Savvy at an employee benefits fair, and she walked up to our booth and looked at our materials like, oh, my finances are such a mess. I don't even want to go near it. And really that first step is so important. And for us, that step is to get organized. And whether it's using a tool like Savvy or even just in your own financial life, taking that step to say, okay, I'm going to make a positive decision about my finances. And the first step, I think, is really just to be honest about where you stand. And it's assessing 
where your financial position is. We like to look at looking at your logins and taking sense of all your financial accounts, assets and liabilities, right? No one, you know, staring down, that's right. Oh, I opened that other credit card account when I went to the mall. And it's just really seeing where everything stands, whether you use a digital tool like Savvy with your logins or you just get an old-fashioned pen and paper. It's that step of saying, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I stand. Okay, now what's next? And the other part of that, along with your accounts, is to look at something like your credit report to understand, okay, where does that aspect of my financial life stand so I can really assess where I am so I can then start to think about where I'm going. Well, let's say we're in the gathering stage and we're trying to figure out what all those liabilities are. What are some typical liabilities that might we might plug into your system or, or just write down on a piece of paper to get started? We first of all think of good debt, right? And, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will think, okay, well, if I bought that home, I have that mortgage, or I got that education, and I have those student loans. You know, deductible debt is certainly the most positive, but sometimes it's it's the biggest number on that liability sheet. Many of us carry credit cards. Uh, some of them are are beneficial when they give us rewards, and some of them could be not so beneficial when they dig a hole from the standpoint of interest. Some are more favorable than others. You know, and again, it's really maybe using that your credit report to get a sense of where all of those accounts are. And with Savvy, we, we're similar to a tool like Mint where we allow you to link those accounts. It's interesting to notice with the demographics of our users, some of our younger users will be very, very comfortable having logins and, and taking stock of where everything is. And others, maybe you know, some of our um, closer to retirement users are a little less comfortable of having logins for every single account that they have. But again, you know, most people don't realize how much debt that they really have and to really just get a sense of what that, that pile is before they can start to, to chip away at it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's move on to the next step. We get organized, we get everything in spot. So we're feeling like, okay, I at least know what my situation is. What's the next step to get that financial empowerment? Sure. And and so just being organized, just knowing where things stands, that is incredibly empowering. And then it's important to understand, okay, now I need to think about my day-to-day, month-to-month, week-to-week. Really, where does my money go? And I hesitate to use the B word because sometimes it's, it really scares some people to think like, oh, you're going to tell me to make a budget and, and, you know, how many lattes can I buy this week? And, you know, you're gonna... it's funny. I started my career as, as a financial advisor and my, my second client ever, I was sitting down with him and we had done this college plan to try to save for his kids to, to, to go to school and, and to be able to pay for it. And, and he looked at me, he's like, I have one more question. So, you know, I'm thinking this is going to be something with like an investment plan. And he's like, can we still go out for pizza on Friday nights? And I was like, yes, yeah, please, <laughs> please go for pizza. And I bring this up because Savvy's philosophy is not that we're going to turn your life into misery just so you can reach your financial goals. It's about achieving what you want to achieve. But along with getting organized with where all your stuff is, where your assets and your liabilities are, we also take that next step of, okay, well, where is my money going? And our philosophy is not that you need to be uh, on a latte limitation. Or a pizza purge. A, p- a, pizza, a pizza purge. <laughs> Doing some alliteration uh, for you. I, I like it. That's really good. <laughs> I'll have to run that through our legal. Okay, there you go. Exactly. Right. Too much alliteration. <laughs> but um, but really to give people a sense of, okay, you know, they're just really trade-offs. So where does my money go? And we take a look at things like taxes, your fixed mortgage payments, healthcare costs, which for some people can be significant. And then we lump a lot of it into the uh, that notion of general spending. And really, once you have a sense of where your money goes, well, then you can start to put a lens for your goals of, well, well, what are my trade-offs going to be? You know, I could go out to eat every night or in this day and age where we are today, we could get takeout, I guess, every night. I could get that latte every day 
but that may mean that I can't buy that home next year. Or I, that means my student debt's going to be hanging over my head for another three years. And so when you understand where your money's going, it's like, well, sure. Like I don't, now that I know that I, I go out for, to Starbucks every day, like I don't need that, but I'm not going to totally get rid of Starbucks because that would be miserable. So really that next step after you get organized, okay, let me understand where my money goes and not in that sense of let me just be so overly micromanaging my money that it gets to be misery, micromanaging money, misery. We are alliterating left I and right know. here. Andy. Wow, we're, we're on fire. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> so that's really the next step, understanding where your money goes. And then you start to think, well, what do I want to achieve in life? And how can my money help me get there? Because we think of financial goals like oh, retirement and paying for college and reducing my debt. And these things, you know, they, they're important, but, but it's like, well, what does that really mean to me? And then when I start to think about the things that I love to do that money could help me achieve, well, now there's a lot more excitement around it. And, and the analogy you'll often hear is you know, people love planning vacations because you start to think, oh, like we could go to the islands or we could go to Europe. And people put lots of effort into researching and finding the right flights. And you know all this effort goes, goes into it. But how much time do people really spend managing the asset allocation in their 401k? Like they don't. They just might say, oh, but 10%, 10%, 10%. And it's like, I don't want to look at it. Especially these days, you know, with the volatility we've had with the recent crisis. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. But when you look at it with that positive spin of, okay, these goals are about like, it's when you get there, it's going to be great. So we try to take a positive spin on financial empowerment with goals and not that, wow, this thing seems so daunting. What am I going to do? Yeah. And it's nice to see it laid out like that, where you're saying, I'm not just building up an account with money in and it's going up and down. You're, you're looking at it with the end in mind. You're saying, I'm doing this to help my kid go to college, or I'm doing this so that I can retire, or I'm doing this so I can go on that awesome vacation. And that maybe motivates people a little bit more when you set those goals out there like that. That's cool. So let's talk about some common mistakes that people make when they're setting goals. You know, we can maybe get a little pie in the sky sometimes or maybe get off track. What, what are some mistakes you've seen when people are setting up some financial goals? Sure. Well, one of the things that's really interesting, and we see this actually through our user base at Savvy, is that some people don't even get there. They get organized. They get a sense of where all their stuff is. And they, yeah, I'm doing a 401k. That's great. And, and you know, I've, I have an emergency fund and I've reduced a lot of that bad debt. And then they stop because it's like, okay, I'm good. Well, it's like, well, let's keep going. Let's understand your budget, understand goals. So, so really what we find interesting is, is really just the simple step of people don't sit down and set goals. They don't think about when it would be great for work to be optional. They don't think about, okay, well, what college would I like to pay for? Because there's a big difference between that private you know, Ivy League school and living at home and going going to state school. And it's not to say one or the other may be maybe better better than the other. So so first step is really people just actually have to set them. And then it's that notion, and you've probably heard this before, the notion of smart goals, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, results oriented and time bound. And so then you you've set your goals. I want to be rich. You know, it's great. Well, what does that mean? And you know, how paint the picture. So it's, it's sort of starting with that visualization and then working down to the reality of the numbers. And, you know, when, when we look at people who do get to that goal setting stage, one of the things that's really nice about a a digital platform is that, you know, we'll come back and we'll try to be nice about it. But if it's, if it's an unrealistic goal, we're going to come back and say, maybe you might want to change some of your assumptions in here and, and, and click that 
button again. So really what we find is it's interesting. A lot of people don't even set those goals or take the time to think about what they'd like to achieve in life in general and the ones that money can really serve a purpose behind. That's great. Let's walk through the last step of this financial empowerment plan. What's step three? So, so along with you have those goals and that's great. Well, now what do I do? And the reason that we actually built Savvy was because you think of all the important financial goals that you may have. And, and, and as you, as you go through life, they, they sort of add up and all, and it becomes daunting. Well, do I save for college or do I retire? And how would refinancing my mortgage make sense? And should I buy that new car or should I wait another year? And all of it becomes so complex that many individuals may employ a, an experienced financial advisor to to engage with them. But it, it gets to that point where it's like, oh my goodness, well, what do I do? And so the action plan is, is so critical. And when I say an action plan, oftentimes after going through a planning process, whether it's with Savvy or with a human advisor, or even just on your own, you realize, oh my goodness, there are like 10 things for me to do here. What can, uh, what can I do? And it's, it's really making, again, those positive actions one at a time to say, okay, well, I'm looking at this list of things that I need to do. And oh, you know what? I need to get life insurance. I've got kids, I've got a mortgage, and this is the first thing I'm going to do. And I'm going to go online today and I'm going to get it done. So you get that action plan, the importance of taking things one step at a time and do hold yourself accountable to a deadline for it. Sometimes there are tax deadlines, like, well, I have to fund this account by this deadline. But a lot of times it's like, oh, I need to get life insurance. And then like, three months later, you're like, yeah, still need to do that. So holding yourself accountable to an action plan with some with some deadlines, if you're a procrastinator, you're just like, okay, I'm hold myself accountable. I'm going to get this done this week. And you know what, if it's like, you know, cleaning out the garage, okay, well, you know, I'm going to set it for next week. And with some financial goals too, you can automate those things. So if it's a savings plan, whether it's for a long-term goal like retirement or something short-term like building up your savings, or if it's throwing more money at debt, these are all very easy things in these day and age just to, to you know, I don't want to say set and forget because you shouldn't, but just automate them. You know, we can automate these things where, okay, you know what, I'm going to up my 401k contribution and you know, wow, I didn't, I didn't actually miss that money. Or if I do get that raise, okay, you know what, I'm going to immediately think I need to increase my savings so I don't just get used to this extra money and, and start spending it. So a lot of it is taking those action plans, making it manageable, not forgetting about it too. Sometimes we find individuals get an action plan They'll tackle two things and it's like, great, I'm all done. And then it's like, it's just like exercise or losing weight or anything else that's hard. You got to go back to it. Okay, great. You know, I crossed those two things off. Now what do I do? So with Savvy, we try to outline at the end of our process, you know, here's your action plan. Here are the important steps to take. And one of the things that it's actually in development now is trying to prioritize that. But it's interesting because priorities, I may have a priority that's really important for me. Like I really want to start this college savings plan for my kids. And from a tax perspective, it's like, well, it's more important for you to do this Roth conversion. And I'm like, well, what's a Roth conversion? Like, why should I do that? So sometimes priorities might be out of whack from a standpoint of like, this makes more tax sense, but it's like, yeah, but this would make me happier now. And usually win out, but you should still do the one that made the tax sense too. So yeah, I mean, when it comes to to getting that action plan, deadlines, automating as much as you can, and just taking it one step at a time. Yeah, I am such a big fan of automation. Like you said, it allows you to 
set your plan that you've developed, you've organized, you've gotten yourself the goals that you want down, and it helps you to set that action without actually taking the action over and over again, and it makes it easy. So let's talk about how savvy fits into this overall thing. We kind of danced around a little bit about it. Is it a software? Is it a person? How does that work? What is savvy? So savvy was built to really democratize financial planning, as you said. And the idea was there are a lot of great individual human financial advisors. You know, I I was one, I'm a CFP myself. And what we found in that space is there's a lot of good that those individuals can can do, but they're expensive. And in many cases, you may show up at an advisor's office and their hourly rate or their asset minimum is just too much for most individuals. So we built Savvy to try to take what advisors do well and build it into an online tool so that people could get fiduciary advice, meaning it's in their best interest, and that it was something that could be available to anyone, whether you're 25 or 55, whether you have millions of assets or you're just starting out and that it's your net worth is negative instead of positive. So, so Savvy was built to really provide that advice to people. We do it through the workplace. We also have individual accounts, so anyone can go to SavvyFi.com and sign up for them. And as you mentioned with the three-step process, we help people get organized. So similar to Mint, people can go in and attach and link all their financial accounts. So I can go to one place and see all my bank accounts, my student loans, my credit cards, my 401k, my home, and and, and get that up-to-date net worth statement. I know it's less these days than maybe it was a couple months ago, you know, here in, in April of 2020, but it's nice to have that household balance sheet. Then we work to help people understand. So that budgeting sense of where their money goes, and we're about to roll out very soon our mobile app, which will take that budgeting exercise to a more granular level. And then it's the plan piece, which is really where the magic happens. And that's where we give people truly next dollar advice. So the complexity of, okay, where should I save and what should I save and how do I balance all these goals? We built that into a robust optimization model to really optimize people's financial life. So our co-founders really built their career. They're MIT trained and data scientists, and they've solved problems like how do I get school buses to run on time? And how do I deal with airline yield management of how I sell seats? And they took this sophistication of optimization and applied it to people's financial situations. So so it's a really cool thing. And, and, and it allows, again, anybody to log in and build a financial plan without having to go to an expensive and, and maybe unavailable human financial advisor. Yeah, and I understand that there is a human portion to it, though. So can you walk through that? Yeah, sure. So so we did just roll out a coaching aspect. So the advice still comes from Savvy. But one of the things that we heard from some of our users was that they they would like the opportunity to talk to someone. And we even if you if you use one of our basic plans or your employer subscribes to Savvy, you know, there's always technical support. Like, uh, I can't figure out how to attach my Capital One account. Can you help me? But we added this financial coach aspect so that there could be someone in addition to help you stay on track. So similar to a personal trainer, like they, they're not going to, you know, run on the treadmill for you, but they can, you know, encourage you to do so and do it in the right way, I guess. So, so yeah, we just added the coaching option. We find that most of our users use our, our basic plans because Savvy, and from a digital perspective, will give you all the advice you would get with a human, with the human coach involved too. But some people just like, you know what, I'd like someone to check in with me, to be available to call and say, hey, what do you think about this? So we made that available both to our employer users and our direct consumer users just recently. Okay, cool. So you mentioned Mint a couple of times. How do you guys differentiate yourself from Mint as an offering overall? 
Sure. You know, and Mint has been around for quite some time. And I think what Mint really does well is something that we do well in the first part of our experience. Help me organize all my financial accounts and understand my net worth and where everything stands. So yeah, when you use Savvy on the organize function, it's going to feel a lot like Mint. I put my logins in, it pulls securely, it pulls data from my accounts and shows it in a, a nice, easy to understand place. Where we go from there is then we move on to, okay, now we understand where your money goes, which Mint doesn't really do. And certainly the biggest differentiator is really that planning, goals-based fiduciary advice that you know, Mint and a lot of online platforms just, just don't go there. And I'd say, you know, one thing that we'll often hear too is, well, are you guys a robo-advisor? And a big differentiator to what, and, and there, there are robo-advisors that have great tools that are similar to what Savvy does. The major difference is we don't sell products. So if you think of, if I go to one of those great robo-platforms, it's really designed around, great, like invest your money here. And for us, it's like, yeah, you we're not going to, you know, tell you, you have to invest your money here. Like, Hey, you can get this really cool tool, but please send us, you know, at least $25,000 in assets. And, you know, that's not, you know, our, our model in our deliverable is, is advice. And it's, you know, if, whether you use our free plan or our $9 a month plan or our human coaching plan for $29 a month, you're going to get quality advice. That's not, trying to steer you into a product that the whole platform is designed around. Yeah, that sounds incredibly reasonable with regard to pricing. So then talk to me about how the investment side works. You guys don't do the investing, but you're giving financial advice on maybe what to invest in. Is that right? So we have a free plan and maybe that's where I can start. So we do have a free plan where anyone can log in and, and try us out. It is limited. It, it allows two goals. It does give you the full experience, but it, do, it also does not give you detailed investment advice. And so with our $9 a month plan, you get detailed specific asset allocation advice. So a lot of people, especially in this environment where the market has been really volatile and it, you know, my 401k and my IRAs and my investment accounts are something that I haven't paid attention to. And the question is always, well, am I in balance? And so, you know, we take all those accounts and we give you a proposed asset allocation based on your risk tolerance. And so it's, again, and, and, it, and we can run different scenarios. So the tool allows you to look at what happens if we have another Great Depression or financial crisis. What's sort of the, the baseline assumption? What if we have a great market? So you can model and see, okay, you know what? Even if things are really bad, I can still be on track if I take these steps. So you know, we give detailed investment advice at an asset allocation level. We just don't do the actual investing. You know, That is something we're looking to potentially build into our tool because we have had some of our users say, yeah, this is great. Like, Can you do this for me? And we're like, we don't. Maybe down the road, we will have a curated option to say, okay, you know what? Here, if you want to use our models, you know, here's an automated investing platform. But right now, you can take that advice and you can go to your, you know, trusty, you know, option and, and, and implement it from there because we are, I've said the F word a few times, fiduciary, right? Talk about why that's important to you guys. So we felt it was a real differentiator because, you know, we are registered by the SEC. We are a fiduciary. And, and again, you know, you this this term has sort of entered the lexicon in the last few years. You know, a lot of people didn't know what a fiduciary was. And and I think a lot of people just assumed, well, this place that I invest my money, they must be a fiduciary. With the notion of, if some of your listeners don't know, is that, okay, they're going to make recommendations that are truly putting me first. You know, these are in my best interest. So not just suitable, which is a more amorphous term for most investment advice. And so we felt this was important because we designed our tool around giving the best advice. So I'll give you a, a really concrete example. You know, if you were working with a tool that maybe, let's say, your 401k 
platform had. And there are many great tools that qualified plan providers offer today. But many times the answer is going to be, we'll, we'll save it into your 401k. Like, you know, this is great. Look how, look what happens if you put more in your 401k. And don't get me wrong, like putting money in your 401k could be great. But what if the better answer was, you know what? You should pay off your credit card debt first because you've got this credit card debt over here at 14.99%. And you'd have to get 14.99% in your investment account over here too, unless it was, let's say, an employer match. So, you know, we can go in and say, yeah, Andy, pay your credit card debt off. Or, you know what, instead of going into your 401k, you know, you may want to consider this, this Roth account over here because your employer doesn't offer a Roth and the tax benefits based on all the stuff you've told us make this a better option. So, you know, we can go in and just say, just like maybe a, f- a fee-only financial advisor who doesn't sell products would do can say, this is what you should do. And it's interesting because users will you know, be like, oh, this is great. You know, I really feel like you're on my side of the table where sometimes, you know, and it's not that there aren't great calculators and tools that some of the providers are offering, but if there's something that's part of your 401k, the answer is probably going to be, you know, put more in the 401k, right? And not to knock that. So yeah, it really allows us to offer advice that we believe is in the best interest of the client. I think that's great. And yeah, we have talked a lot on this show about the importance of working with a fiduciary because they are out for your best interest. And it's something to consider. But this savvy falls in that line of, well, maybe I don't want to spend a couple grand to get a fiduciary financial advisor, but this is something that I could definitely afford. So where's the best place for people to learn more about savvy and maybe give it a shot? For sure. Well, I think there's going to be a great article coming up soon on the Marriage, Kids, and Money site. So, I mean, I'm not trying to put the pressure on you for to write that awesome article about us. <laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, we we encourage you to go to SavvyFi.com. It's S-A-V-V-I-F-I.com. So Savvy with, with an I. And when you go there, you can learn about sort of our backstory about the team that built Savvy. You can take a look at our different plans. As I mentioned, we are still offering a, a free plan for, for I, I say, a limited time. But, you know, we, we certainly will, will always have some sort of free way to at least try Savvy and experience it to see if you can find value in it. And again, you know, we talk about what Savvy can do. And you might think, oh, well, what do I need my financial advisor for? You know, there are going to be people who need that human advisor and there are going to be people who really just need savvy. And I think the same is true. You look at the investing world. There are do-it-yourselfers who feel very comfortable going to a Vanguard on their own. And there are those who are just like, oh, I just don't want to deal with this stuff. And so we feel that the real gap is just a lack of good advice. So that if we can be a means to get people advice, all the better. And, and the other thing I would say, too, is most of our users today are actually through employers. So if you have an employer that's likes to offer really awesome employee benefits, talk to us because we are a financial wellness benefit in many employers. And that can be a way that you and your colleagues can now get really good financial advice. But SavvyFi.com, check us out. And we'd love to have you sign up for one of our plans and see if it can help provide some really great advice and and give us feedback on how we can make the tool better. Excellent. Everybody, if you have the opportunity, go to SavvyFi.com as well as check out our review at Marriage, Kids, and Money. It's going to give you a little bit more in-depth of a look as we took a deep dive into this tool as well. So Brian, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's great to be here. This episode has been a lot of fun. I got to learn from my friend Robert about the latest with student loans and learn from Brian, too, about a new affordable tool we can use to help keep us on track with our financial goals. I'd have to say that makes for a great show, in my opinion. (laughs) I guess I'm a little biased, though, right? (laughs) 
As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. Please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to find this show. Now, to encourage you to leave a review, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received four reviews since last month's book giveaway offer. And as a reminder, this quarter, we are giving away three different books from past podcast guests. Beyond Piggy Banks and Lemonade Stands by Liz Frazier, The Proximity Principle by Ken Coleman, or Quit Like a Millionaire by Christy Shen and Bryce Luong. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my crazy, crazy, kooky, kooky assistant, Zoe Hill, here with me once again. How are you, crazy Zoe? Great. Good, sweetheart. I'm glad to hear that. So I wanted to talk to you about a little something. You've been leaving me some notes that say, no papa stay. What does that mean? I don't want you to go to work because I just don't like you working all the time. And I just want, I just want to spend time with you. And, and it's, a, it's annoying how you work every single day. I know. It does seem very weird right now because I'm working all day long. You guys are normally at school, but... School got canceled for the rest of the year. I know. So does that mean daddy's work gets canceled for the rest of the year? Yes. (laughs) Well, then how does the money come in? By mama working. But mama's hours have been cut because of coronavirus. But then Calvin worked. Calvin should work? (laughs) What could he be doing to bring in money? Doing his homework. Doing his homework? Yeah. Not a lot of people are paying to do homework. I tell you what, I'm going to try my best to, when I stop my work at five, to spend more time with you and have some fun. So what would you like to do after daddy's work hours to have fun with me? Wrestle, go to the park, and that's it. You like wrestling with me, huh? That's your big thing? Mm-hmm. All right, we'll do more wrestling, I promise. And then when the weather starts to get nice, when we go home, what do you like to do outside with me? I want to travel to the high school. And then I want to do races and have a picnic. Awesome. That'll be fun. Let's do that. Okay. Well, Zoe, I will definitely have some more fun with you after I'm done with my work. We'll do some bike rides to the school and we'll do more wrestling. Does that sound like a plan? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's read this review. So we have four reviews since last month's giveaway offer. So you tell the lady what to do. Alexa, pick a number between zero and four. Your random number between zero and four is three. Excellent. Our third review comes in from Kelly Likes iTunes, and she gave this a five stars, and she says, love the podcast. So Zoe is going to read that review right now. This has been such an informative podcast for me and my family. I've been a loyal listener for over a year now. Thanks for your interview with College Becker. I pulled the trigger on getting my daughter's 529th plan going. And even I got a little cash bonus for it. I look forward to listening to the show every Monday. Your conversational tone makes me feel like I'm listening to a friend. Thanks so much. Excited for you in your new solo adventure. 
Oh, Zoe, that was awesome. Wow. I think that was like your best read yet. Way to go. And thank you, Kelly, for leaving that review. I really appreciate it. I will be emailing you right after this episode and asking which book you would like. Zoe and I are excited to send it to you. And everybody, we're going to be doing this again next month. So please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And maybe my Zoe will read it, right? Yes. Yes, Zoe. So, Zoe, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it, baby. We'll definitely wrestle. Do you want to wrestle after work today? Yes. Awesome. Cool. You better be ready, girl. I will be ready. You're going to be ready? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. This month on the show, we've got an incredible lineup. On May 11th, next Monday, we've got author J.L. Collins. He's going to join us to talk about how we can take the simple path and invest to reach financial independence, even in the face of a financial crisis. I'm very excited to have him on the show. And on May 18th, the following Monday, we've got financial expert Bob Lodick. He's going to share how he and his wife paid off their mortgage early and the steps that we can all take to get there as well. And the last Monday, May 25th, we've got Dave Mason, author of the new book, The Cash Machine, which I really, really enjoyed, guys. And he's going to join me to discuss why generosity needs to be a part of our financial independence journey. So it's going to be a great month. And I just want to thank everybody for the support this year so far. It's been a wild, wild year. Everything that's been going on with COVID-19 and me starting this podcast in that year. Uh, I truly appreciate you downloading and subscribing to the show and helping me keep this small business alive and well. So let's keep it going in May. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from C.G. Jung. You are what you do, not what you say you'll do. On that note, I better go wrestle with Zoe, everybody. Carpe diem. 